Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Beyond the Binding. I'm Tiffany. Hi, I'm Monica. <laughs> and we're here today to talk to you about some books that we've read and we find quite interesting. So stick around and find out what we've read. Okay, so first uh, book that I think we're going to talk about today is going to be mine, just like last week. Yeah, go or for it. Not last week, I guess it was last month. Um, yeah, it was last month. So, I read Fat Tuesday by Sandra Brown. It was written in 1997. So, if we think of books like a product of their times, we got to kind of think of it with a little bit of an objectivity, but the book is uh, objectively terrible outside of the other uh, problems that it has. I just don't like the writing. Well, I'm yeah. excited. Um, you know, it's it's a like a 460 page book. Yeah, and it took me like two weeks to read, which is really weird for me. Um, it's too much. I do want to put in some trigger warnings. Uh, my book deals with rape, murder, um, general like sexual assault, sexual discomfort, and kidnapping. So if any of those things... Oh, also, and casual use of the N-word once. So if... Any of those things make you uncomfortable, you should stop here. This is not the book for you anyways. Um, okay, so to begin, I'm going to go through my notes, because I did write some notes to remember to talk about. It's a really slow starting book. It starts off in a court case, and you don't know what the fuck the court case is about. You just know that there's a dude in the audience that that's pissed off, and a smart-ass uh, lawyer who's, in the beginning, painted to be like a really like great lawyer. You begin to learn about the case as the book goes on, and the guy in the audience, his name is Burke, he's your main character in the book, he shot his partner in the head because he doesn't miss. Right? Because well, it's not. like we typical can't. macho man. Yeah, we can't uh, have any of that missing shit up in here. We no. can't. No, no, no. We never Setting miss. is in the Louisiana swamps, basically. Oh. The bayou. In the bayou. All they right. celebrate Mardi Gras. That's why it's called Fat Tuesday. He says that the shooting is not his fault because... His partner was being used as a body bag, and he was misled to think the person he was shooting was a bad guy. Okay. He is really not at fault. He is actually the hero. He's not, like, a, like in the book, he is the one not corrupt police officer, basically. So, it Wait, was... he's a cop? He is a police officer. Okay. For the New Orleans, New Orleans Police Department. So, okay. he feels tremendous guilt for what he did, because he killed his best friend and his partner. Okay, But okay. it was not intentional he thought he was shooting a perp who had shot like he heard gunshots and he saw someone come out of the building he went for a headshot it was his partner was being used as a body shield in front of right, the actual right. guy so he went See, for a headshot for the bad guy when you said partner i was thinking like bank robbing partner oh no no, or no, no, no no for some reason okay like police okay. partner okay basically the guy uh the, the big bad is pinky duval he's actually the lawyer his name is Pinky, Pinky Duval. He's like a 50-something-year-old man. And we're supposed to take this seriously? It was hard. I was like, what is this name? He's into orchids. He's... We are throwing all of the, like, traditional gender roles right out the... The window. Right yeah. out the window. For the bad guy. For the bad guy. Mm, that sends an interesting message. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> there's lots of twists in this book, but in... They're really predictable. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you first meet Pinky's wife in the second chapter. And you, they seem to have, like, an all right relationship. It doesn't seem to be off at all. But then at the same time, you're like, this is too okay. Like, too caring. Oh, By the end of that chapter. It's too perfect. It's yeah, Stepford perfect. It feels fake. Okay, got you. By the end of that chapter, you realize, not so great. He is overly controlling. He tells her what she can wear. He has sex with her when he wants, even if she wants to or not. Ooh. Yeah. He throws all these lavish parties. He expects her to be there. And when she wants to wear something modest, he makes her wear something immodest. Or mm -hmm. I think that's the word. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she doesn't feel comfortable with it, but she's also not. She doesn't feel safe. You learn that she does not feel safe in, in the situation that she's in. And she's an intelligent person. And that if she dares speak anything against her husband, especially in the company of people that are coming to her party, things will go bad for her. Mm -hmm. And she hates that, that his party guests and pretty much anybody that he knows treats her like she doesn't have feelings. So, like, they can kind of take pot shots at her and say whatever they want. And well, because she's... she can't say anything back because if she goes against what her husband wants her to do and who he wants her to be, she's screwed. Yeah. Right? Yes. During this very first party, um, Burke, the main character, he goes to he, he goes to the party like to spy on Pinky because he knows he thinks that Pinky's like got some shit going on and he sees uh the guy uh that was the on trial, Bardo, mm -hmm. like kind of hitting on Remy, which is Pinky's wife. Mm-hmm. But he immediately thinks that Remy's a whore. The only way that she could be with a man like Pinky is if he, she was paid to be there. Oh, like the okay. minute because she's gorgeous. Okay, but still, He's, we have to just assume that women are okay. That's my the whole okay. Okay, my biggest mm -hmm. thing with this book, I swear to God, is that almost all of the book toward until like near the end, he is just like fantasizing about Remy like sexually, but Ew. also hates her at the same time because he thinks she's a hooker for. Uh, basically, what it, Pinky is a drug lord. He's like, right, uh, nah, he's, yeah, he's like a drug lord, like a fucking criminal mastermind kind of thing. You find out that Remy only stays with Pinky to save her little sister, and that she was saved from a really bad situation when she was younger, and she's basically been groomed. She was put in an all girls school and not allowed to have sex with anybody, and married as soon as she turned eighteen because Pinky wanted her to be entirely his, everything about her, and then when uh, eventually Burke hatches a plan that he's going to kidnap Remy to get Pinky to come after him so that he can kill Pinky because he quits the force. His wife, he finds cheating on him. He leaves her, his, uh, Kevin, his partner that he shot, his, his wife tells Burke, you can't come around here anymore. Not because she blames him, but because she's trying to move on. And every time she sees Burke, it brings up the heartache again. And so that like, he just feels like he has nothing left to lose. So he goes and he kid, he literally kidnaps Remy and Jesus, I feel bad for this woman. Uh, you like this yeah. whole book sounds like a terrible, horrible like chapter of her, like her entire fucking life it's, sounds like it sucks. It's fucking terrible, and it, like she was assaulted as as a young person by one of her mother's Johns because her mom was a prostitute. So we're just out here torturing a woman for yeah for a book, okay? Except for I mean I know she's not a real person, but. But he Jesus. kidnapped he kidnapped Remy and then he doesn't want to hurt her. He's literally using her as bait and he's trying it's to take care of her. It's still, still fucked up. But while he's got her kidnapped, he, they like have a she tries to run away a few times. Good for he her. winds up like 
handcuffing her to him so she can't run away. Also, although he's taken her out into literally the middle of the bayous because he's got like a hunting lodge out there and it's the safest, most hidden away place. Mm -hmm. And uh, he shares the lodge with his brother. It's but he there's a twist that they're not actually at his hunting lodge. They're at another guy's like little cabin that they're friends with. I'm trying not to go into too much like innate detail, like stupid little details. But um, basically, Remy tries to get away. Realize he realizes a she can't swim. He shoots the boat that she's trying to paddle away in. It starts sinking. She has to get out of it, and she says she can't swim. And he's like, "I don't believe you," because she's kind of lied to him to try and get away from him. And so she thinks he, he thinks it's a ploy that she's trying to use to get him to come to the boat so that she can kill him. And uh, turns out she actually can't swim. She drowns. He pulls, he like dives in, pulls her out, and there's gators. It's a swamp. Of course, because it's the bayou. So he gets, they, they get out safely. He, he brings her back. He get, like tells her to shower. And she has like this like realization that what the fuck am I doing with my life? That this is the situation that I'm in. I wish I could get out of it. And she just wanted to die. Because that was, she figured the only way she could get away from Pinky and out of the situation that she's in is if she didn't live anymore. During this time, you find out that, well, before this time, technically, you find out that she got had gotten pregnant and had a miscarriage. And mm-hmm. so when he was spying, when Burke was spying on Remy, she had put her hand on her lower abdomen and he thought she was doing something sexual. And he left. And, of course he did. Yeah. And Bardo came out. And that's what he was fantasizing about was he thought that she was that kind of woman and Bardo came out and started like pressing up on her, and she managed to get away from him because the man is a the Bardo, the guy that was on, this is the guy that was on, on trial. trial at the beginning. Yeah, he had previously been arrested and got off um, the charges because of Pinky, because his uh, mo was to rape, torture, and just cut the fuck up out of women, murder women. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. So and some, he had uh, Jack the Ripper shit. Yeah. Okay. Fucking the the oh my god, it's disgusting. So she uh gets away from him and tells Remy like or not Remy tells Pinky I don't want him around me anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, Pinky finding out that his wife gets kidnapped says I don't want the FBI involved, the cops, whatever. You find out later that most of the NOPD is on his payroll. Well, of course they are, including yeah. no, crooked cops. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. including. Burke's boss, who was also one of his best friends. And Burke, uh, when they were hiding, two people came to Burke's cabin to find him and say, there's a way we can get out of this. Because he, you know, he was committing a felony by kidnapping the woman. Uh, yeah. So a little bit. The first, Only a little felony. Yeah. No big deal. So the first no one was deal. Mac. Mac was his partner after Kevin, the one that he shot. And he thought Mac might be the bad, like the the mole oh. in the department, because they were like doing raids, trying to catch Pinky, and there was, like Pinky's gang was always one step ahead, and raids kept failing, and he was like, "What do I have to do, to make um, internal affairs come and actually investigate who the actual mole in this department is?" And he wound up, okay, I'm just gonna give it away. Just go he ahead. winds up calling in and actually giving the tip away to the guys that makes the raid go south that Kevin dies in. Burke does. Because he's trying to find out who the Mullen department is and he figures if one more raid goes bad, even it, because it was supposed to be a low level, like nobody important was there. Um, wow. To he get really IA fucked to, up 
everything. Yes, to get Aya like, to he investigate. Was like, I breathe and I fuck up everything. Basically. He's like, I can fix everything. I just gotta do this and they'll come right in and then he just... It just all goes to he shit. He fucked up everything. Yeah, because Bardo wasn't supposed to be there. Bardo winds up being there. A shootout happens. Kevin winds up dead. Burke's like, fuck, what the fuck? I'm just trying to fix the department because most of the department is corrupt and a lot of people know it. And Internal Affairs is even corrupt. That's why they're not investigating. But it wound up going higher up and uh, Mac was literally went through the ranks to become a cop and to get into narcotics and vice to catch the mole in the NOPD. But Pat, Burke's boss, came up and killed him when he was talking to Burke to be like, there's a better way to do it. Because turns out Mac was like a degenerate gambler and had a whole bunch of money that he owed to a like a bookie. Mm-hmm. And du- Pinky Duval was like saying, we'll we'll get rid of that whole debt. Yeah, it's such a fucking I'm never going to get over that. Like, Pinky. Pinky I just Duvall. keep picturing in my head, have you seen Hairspray? Yes. Mr. Pinky's? Yes. 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 So, um, instead, he's actually a very, like, buff, tan, 50 year Like, think somebody that works, lives in Las Vegas and has lots of money. No, I'm, I'm still going to picture Mr. Pinky. <laughs> it's, just, it's just going to be Mr. Pinky in my head the entire time. While he's telling Tracy Turnblatt that she's awesome. Like, that's that's where we're at. And he's, and he's in the drug cartel. Got it. Yes. So, Pinky is basically like, uh, we'll nix your debt. I'll take care of it if you get Burke and Remy back to me. And Mac goes to Burke to be like, listen, there's got to be a way. There's a way out of this. Like, and he, it seems like almost hinky. Like, the way the book is written, it's like, you don't know if it's going to be Max the, the actual mole or Pat's the mole because both of them get talked to really close to each other. Pinky tells Pat, if you want to rise up in the ranks, you're going to do what I said. I'm going to kill Burke and you can't do anything about it. You're going to let me go get my wife. And and Pat doesn't really do anything because he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You probably shouldn't threaten to kill a former cop that's like loved in this department in front of me. And you're like, okay, why aren't you doing more about it? But because he's a celebrity, He's, like, really well-known. He throws these giant, lavish parties. He's got a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? It's There's red tape. I'm doing quotation marks. But, the, you know, there's <laughs> red tapes to go through. But, like, it's so fucking twisted because Max telling Burke, hey, there's a way out of this. And then he's, like, going to reach for his back, and all of a sudden he gets killed by Pat. Pat comes up and says he was going for his gun. He was going to kill you. I'm here to save you. Yeah. I but was he's here- not. And you think he is the whole time until like literally the last few pages. You think that Pat's actually the good guy and Mac was the one that was twisted. Oh, no, it never works out that way. So they basically what happens is Burke finds out that Remy had a lot of bad shit happen in her life. And he's like, oh, you're not the whore I thought you were. Let's fuck. And they have sex. Oh, my God. Yeah. They have sex while he's kidnapped her. She falls in love with him in this, like, week long. And he falls in love with her. No! I was like, what the fuck is happening? No! This man has been saying, basically, she's a whore for most of the book. And then she's lying. She's, like, twisted, whatever. Um, In the end, Burke winds up saving Flara, which is uh, Remy's little sister, who was being threatened to be given to Bardo. Actually, Remy, or Pinky, sent Bardo to pick up Flara to have his way with her in whatever way he wanted. Oh, God. Um, And saved Remy's life because their plan was, like, Remy's going to go back to Pinky. It's going to be less than a day because, like, higher up than internal affairs was involved now, and they were, were, like, narrowing down who the mole in the department was. And then it, like, so it's Mardi Gras. 
Of course. Fat Tuesday. Pink, yeah. Pinky's got Remy back. He's got her locked in her room. No phones on any, like, the floor anywhere near it. She can't get out. She can't light the fire light. Like, he's turned off the fire alarms because she knows there's a, like, she's really smart. She knows there's a really big, um, like, alarm system in their house. And so she thinks if I can set off the fire alarms, the, the fire department has to come until the alarms get shut off. And if they're going off in my room to start, they have to come check it, which means they have to let, they have to come in here. And Pinky catches her and he's like, you think I'm not smart enough to figure that out? And he beats the ever-loving fuck out of her. Like, breaks her ribs. Yeah. He has, the whole time that she's been kidnapped, he's like, nope, she's tainted. She has to die just like Burke does. He's going to kill his wife. Even if she never touched Burke, he was going to kill her. Because she's been away from him for too long. She's tainted. It's so fucked up. This, what the fuck? Who the, this is a woman that wrote this. A white woman wrote this. And she's just like, you know what sounds like fun? Let's torture, torture porn. And women. Yeah, basically. Torture porn. So I was so fucking like, what? So Remy goes back. She finds a way out of the room because <laughs> this is fitting. You're going to laugh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Pinky Duval's costume for his Mardi Gras party oh God. is King Charles. No, King. Oh. Like off with their heads. Henry. Right? Henry. King Henry the Eighth. King Henry the There we go. I don't know and why. the six wives. I was thinking fucking. Hamilton, King George. Oh, no, no, King Henry. It's, yes, it's, it's King Henry. Henry VIII. Henry Henry he dresses VIII, as Henry VIII. Who was also a womanizing piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah beheads yeah, yeah, the wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, well, only beheaded two of them, technically. Yeah. Remy Realette remembers that a costume that she has is one of his beheaded wives. Anne Boleyn? Yes. Oh, and, so and she, Anne Boleyn was known to be the smart one. And so she dresses, yes. Although the other one was, they, Catherine Howard, they beheaded her and they said it was for adultery or whatever and so that would fit in with his whole like she's tainted thing yeah i mean but the thing with her was this would actually fit in with that was that like she was like groomed from a young age too and like was like sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. and not actually in a consensual relationship with a man that they said she was in a consensual relationship with and actually she was way too young but yeah i digress the point is is that either one would have worked yeah, it was just very fitting imagery in that instance. But she realizes that everybody in the house, all of the people that are working for him, are looking for Remy. They're not going to be looking for Anne Boleyn. No, of course not. So she dresses up. And she gets out of the room because she begged him to to spare her sister when she found out that he was giving her sister to Bardo. And she stole the key to the room from his pocket because she learned how to pickpocket and steal from her mother when she was young so that they could have money in the house mm-hmm. so that they could get food. Well... So he's, like, beating her, and she's like, I'll do whatever, I'll stay, I'll be whatever you need me to do, I'll, you know, whatever. But meanwhile, she's picking his pocket, because she knows the only way to get out of the room is the key works from the inside, even though the outside is, like, an electronic. Okay. It's 1997. They have weird weird ideas of how security systems work. Apparently. Anyways, she manages to get out. She's dressed up. She's even got, like, a fake beauty mark and everything. She doesn't look like herself. She's wandering, trying to get out of the party. She knows that there's a phone in the greenhouse where he keeps his orchids that nobody can get into. He just keeps a phone in the greenhouse? Yes, because it's where uh, he also has a safe in the floor. And he he has, like, a locked room that, like... Like a safe room? Kind of. It's the controls for the greenhouse. Because he's very... Like, the first scene you see with Remy is in the greenhouse where he like sees one tiny flaw with an orchid it's very foreshadowing he sees one tiny flaw with an orchid and he's like no these are all ruined and he picks them up and just smashes them on the floor even though they look gorgeous they they don't look ruined at all 
But there's a blemish. But there's a blemish. They're not and perfect. And therefore they're not perfect. Yes. And therefore they're not worth shit. Yes. Got it. So it's, you know. But, so she's like, I know that there's a phone that he won't have turned off in that room. So she goes to the greenhouse and uh, at the same time, Burke is like, I need to get to this party. She, he's got a costume from a whorehouse because the way he saved Flara, Remy's sister, was by sending a he he borrowed basically a prostitute from a madam that works in there yeah sure you can just borrow prostitutes anytime you want he had a good relationship it was it you was just, it you was just walk into to, it was know, literally a like a whorehouse like, and you're like hey look sorry can i borrow a prostitute <laughs> real quick you know what that's basically what he did he was like listen you owe me we have mutual enemies because they both hate pinky and she was like yeah you can take her she was a schoolgirl. like like Jesus. he paid he paid he, oh, it wasn't oh, like oh okay so he bought he, he paid for her to come and take the place so that he knew that nothing was going to happen to her. He just needed it to not be Flara. Flara. So, so he's just out here she, paying for prostitutes. Yeah, he paid for her to act. Borrowing one. Yeah, basically. He paid for her to act. Okay. Well, she I was guess in that's on more it. up her alley. She, yeah, she knew what was going on. Whatever. It's her job. She doesn't. It wasn't like she was a streetwalker, right? She's a little more kept than a street, street more prostitute. High class. Yes. So, anyways. He takes her back to the whorehouse, and then the madam is like, you can't go to a costume party without a costume. Plus, Pinky wants to kill you, so, like, you walk into his house looking like you, you're gonna get killed. And so he's like, well, okay, whatever, like, dress me up. And then, so... So, this madam is just a fairy godmother? Kind of. Like, is that what's happening Yeah, right she's now? kind of, like, all-knowing, whatever. So, anyways... Yeah, okay. So, he gets a costume. So... The last scene with Burke is him getting a costume from the madam. The next scene in the book is a clown walking around <laughs> looking for Pinky. A clown. A clown. Like, straight up dressed like a clown, right? Well, the man is a clown. Tells Pinky, I heard you're looking for Burke. Gets, Pinky's like, Burke? Oh, and like, gets put on high alert, goes into the study. And then in the study, he gets shot in the back by the clown. And you're like, oh, fuck, Burke dressed up as a fucking clown? Did not see this coming. No, guess who the fucking clown is? The motherfucking clown is Pat. Pat the cop dressed up as a clown because Pat was on Pinky's payroll and Pat didn't want all this shit to be getting out and he knew that shit was going down and they were close to getting him so he figured if he killed Pinky then like guess what no more connection. He shoots Pinky in the back. He then tries to plant a gun on Pinky. The whole reason that Pinky owns Pat is because when Pat was a rookie he shot somebody and then it was it happened to be a person that was on Pinky's payroll that never that used knives. He didn't use guns but Pat, Pat planted a gun on the guy and so pinky knew that pat was kind of dirty or he had fucked up so he had something on him right so anyways pat's like i fucking want out my career doesn't matter anymore he shoots pinky in the back he plants pinky's gun on pinky and then pinky shoots him because pinky was wearing kevlar and pat wasn't so pat's like bleeding out on the floor dying but you don't know that pat's the bad guy you just think that he's like trying to like step in and not let burke take the like do all this thing like Mm -hmm. maybe he's trying to be good whatever so then Pat or Burke finds uh Pinky Burke finds because Pinky leaves after he shoots. Right, Pat. of course. Yeah, because why would you stay? Yeah. I mean I guess he could. I he guess tells, he could stay there, you know, have a well, he tells meal. One of his like you know, manservants. Take a bath. <laughs> he, tells, <laughs> he tells one of his manservants, you finish this up. Like take care of it. Because he leaves and Pat's not dead yet. Okay, of course, and then you know, he shuts the he's study. Got, he's got better things. He's got, to he's got a party do. going on. There's a party. He's got orchids. He has a yeah, wife yeah. to kill. You know, like it, it, it's, and a, a, busy and a man. sister-in-law to you know send off to a rapist serial killer. I yeah. mean, it's just busy, so, busy, busy. So he he uh, finds out. He comes out. He leaves them to their thing. He comes out to the party. He finds out that uh, Remy has gotten out of the room. 
Remy is no longer in the bedroom. So he goes, for some reason, he knows that she's in the greenhouse. Like, he just automatically. He's, just, he's, he's portrayed like, as, like, this, like, mastermind, like, jack of all, like, he just fucking knows everything. He's, like, he's super on his shit. Freaking Moriarty. Impossible to take down, kind of. Yeah, kind of Moriarty-esque. Okay. So but his he, name's Pinky. Yeah, Pinky. Dubai. All right, sure. Okay. He goes into the greenhouse, and he's, like, threatening uh, Remy's life. And then, like, right as you think he's going to kill Remy, three of his orchids get shot, and you're like, oh, shit, that's Burke. But Burke doesn't miss. Like, he killed Kevin because he doesn't miss. He, he, if he aims for you, he's shooting you. And then Pinky... I still can't get over how stupid that is. Pinky is like, oh, you're not going to kill me. Like, puts Remy in front of him and, like, you know, same thing as the oh, Kevin thing. Oh, here we You're go, not going to kill me. Like, tries to make him have a, a mental breakdown and, like, use Kevin against him. And then Burke, play, like, Burke, like, drops his gun and he, like, falls to the ground. And then the next thing you know, Pinky's been shot in the fucking head. And he's like, I don't miss, motherfucker. <laughs> like, that's basically what Burke does you should know any if you know anything about me you know that i don't fucking miss so he kills he kills pinky he saves remy right then they go into the study to like call 911 they find a clown dead on the floor then he's like oh shit that's pat and then you're like oh he's gonna save pat how nice of him pat was trying to do like a good thing he leans down he's like i know you're the mole pat i'm not helping you and he fucking watches him bleed out and die holy shit and then the end of the movie, or the end of the movie, <laughs> at this point, it feels like a fucking convoluted movie, but at the end of the book, he's sitting down at a barbecue or something with Nancy Stewart, which is Kevin Stewart's wife, and Nancy's two kids, and Remy, who is now his wife, and Aww. they're like, whole happy family, <laughs> like, no big deal. Talk about tying it up with an epo. So my, note, my notes were, lots of twists, but they are predictable. Uh, you learned about the case really early on. Uh, surprise, after he kidnaps her, they fuck. <laughs> extra, extra, now he loves her. That's what I wrote. Um, Jesus. Main character calls his enemy's wife a whore and makes a whole lot of assumptions about her without actually knowing anything about her. That made me mad. Um, I did say it wrapped up very quickly. Loose ends, not really super tied up. You're kind of like, what? Um, okay. Um, the one thing I will say is the, the one instance of the N-word. And the very couple of first chapters when you're learning about Pinky and his, like, whole situation in his household, you find out that he has, like, a butler, like, a manservant, kind of, um, that is a black man that he saved from a murder charge and then employed in his own house. Mm -hmm. And then one of his other, I think it was Bardo, drops the N-word. Just, just drops that Like, says, oh, that's one eager N-word. Oh, lovely. I was like, that was up. That was really fucking out of place. And it was the only time that it happened in the book and i was like it's like you did it because you want it like he's like the only predominantly black man the only person that is talked about as a person of color and that that is thrown in there and it's like this just doesn't feel right because she a white woman she did it just so that way she could say it and be like but i wrote it in a book that's kind of what it feels like Mm. i think I, I think I'm looking on it harshly because I think the way that Remy's character is written is actually not bad with the whole exception of like she gets kidnapped and then decides I'm going to fuck this dude and fall in love with him. But she's like really <laughs> smart. Like during the first party when you find out that she's smart, she's basically like um, refuting almost every point that Pinky made in the trial that got Bardo off. She's like, but Bardo doesn't look Asian. But, or, but 
Kevin doesn't look Asian because they were like making claims that uh, they thought they were getting attacked by gang members, rival Asian gang members, and not the police like they said they were, blah, 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 blah. She like basically breaks through every single point that he made and there and so she could have been like the best lawyer yeah she's really smart she doesn't want to be she wants to be like an art person but um which is fine whatever but also like jesus what a waste of a person Mm -hmm. but pinky's like guests are like good thing she wasn't arguing against you pinky and then they're like looking her up and down because he makes her wear a really low-cut dress and he like makes an insinuation that the only thing she's really good for is fucking and she's, like, over it at this point. Also, she had just had a miscarriage. Also, the whole thing with the miscarriage and why she feels so bad about it is because she's really religious. He refused to marry her in a church. So every time they have sex, she feels like she's not actually having sex in a marriage because she doesn't feel like her marriage is valid. Also, he told her she would never have children because he didn't want to see how grotesquely disgusting her body would look if she got pregnant. And then she didn't tell him that she got pregnant because she wanted kids and uh, knew that he would make her have an abortion. If she got pregnant, but she miscarried and felt guilty about it and then didn't know how to tell anybody. And she confessed in church because she thought. So we just wrote this entire book just to torture one, one character. Yeah. This one woman, she was like, you know what? This is my character. I've made her smart. You know, I've made her courageous. I've given her like all this, like backstory where she's had to fight to like get somewhere and she's like really caring because she wants to take care of her younger sister and you know what sounds like a great idea to do to her i'm gonna make her her Mm -hmm. and then in the end when she should have a happy ending we're gonna continue to fuck her over by Mm -hmm. giving her to some stupid ass man yeah so in the right. end, he's he does want to protect her from all the shit because when he learns that she's gone through all this shit, he's like, I don't want you to ever have to do with that. He did not want her to go back to Pinky. He wanted to keep her safe in the bayou, but she was like, this is the only way we're going to keep Flora safe or Flora safe. And so he, like, respects her choice to go back, but she's like, I hope he comes soon. And it's like, girl, you can save yourself. You were already almost saving yourself. Also, here's the other thing, though. That's probably the first person who's been relatively kind to her and I don't know how long. You're not wrong. How is that not a power imbalance in a relationship anyway? Yeah. Because at that point, she should probably be able to be by herself and discover who she is on her own before she makes choices about relationships with people. Yeah. And instead, you've just got her, like, with this one, guy. Bouncing from one to another. Yeah, it's Florence Nightingale syndrome. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, yeah. It, so one of the things that they talk about is Pinky, like, one of the things that Burke learns about her is that she did run away from Pinky once, and he said, if you run away from me, that's fine. You can get away. You can have your divorce. But you don't get Flora. I get Flora. And she didn't want her sister to go through everything she did. So she willingly stayed in the situation she was in to protect her sister. Right. Fair enough. I just think it's a really shitty way to write a character. Like, to put them through that much strife. Like, it wasn't compelling in the way that, like, oh, watch her grow. Watch her overcome this. It's, like, watch all these people literally just fuck shit up all over the place. Just watch as somebody takes and like a 15, baseball bat to her over and over and over And, like, again. 15 people just die around her that she cares about and, like, or doesn't care about, but, like, there were pinkies, like, people, but... It's just fucked up. Like, the whole... I, I don't know. I took me forever to read through it, and I just... It just sounds like a lot of torture porn to me. It felt... It felt not okay in some places. It wasn't... There was only the one instance where you actually see somebody get hurt like that. And I it still was just... 
not 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 really for me hmm. i Definitely. if that's what you're into i know every book is a product of its time i don't think in 1997 that shit was going on though so like i don't know if that's a you know i don't think there's a linear situation there i'm just maybe there's i feel some, like do you, you're like mm, was the author working through some shit it's like, kind of was, what were, you, what were you going through, girl? I have so many books on my list that I'm going to be hitting up for this podcast that are her books. And I'm like, just prepare yourself to hear the same kind of shit every time. Because I feel like what I read her stuff before, either I was reading a different kind of book or she was writing differently. Maybe it was later writing that I was reading. But, man, I'm not, I'm not loving it. I got a lot on my shelf, though. So, and I bought them. I'm going to read them. But That's I can't legal. promise that it That's, will be good. That was that was the agreement. Yeah, that was the agreement. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. This is this has gone well. I told you I had feelings. <laughs> I'm not big feelings. I think my absolute favorite thing I've ever done was the newsflash. They they fuck extra extra. Now they're in love. <laughs> I just what the fuck, man. Oh, anyways. I know you said you don't like your book either. I don't. I don't. So, so this, this whole podcast is just us bashing books. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> um, so I read A Northern Light uh, by Jennifer Donnelly. And um, yeah, no, uh, not excited. So whenever I picked this up, I picked it up because it said, right, it was based on a real life murder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that could be interesting, like fictionalized. True crime. True crime. Yeah, yeah. That that could be interesting. It could. That took place in like 1908, turn of the century, right? And I'm like, ooh, yes. Okay. So the real life murder, if you look it up, was solved. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just want to start there. <laughs> it was already solved. And we'll get into that. But when you look at the, like, back of the book, there's like a nice little review on there from somebody else. Um, oh, Yes, here it is. Set in 1906, I'm sorry, it was 1906, not 1908, my bad. <laughs> Set in 1906 against the backdrop of the murder that inspired Theodore Dresser's An American Tragedy. I'm sure I said his last name wrong. Deal with it. This astonishing novel weaves romance, history, and a murder mystery, murder mystery, into something moving, real, and wholly original. It can't Bro. be original if it's based off of something that actually happened. No, uh, basically what he's saying is like her taking all of those genres turns it into something oh, wholly original, like its own genre. Yeah, okay. um, was what I got out of that. But murder mystery. But it's been solved. Murder mystery <laughs> that got solved a century ago. A murder. They were mis- able to solve this shit in nineteen oh eight. Miss. <laughs> Mystery? What what mystery is there? They solved it without blood, like DNA. Also, <laughs> they, they used to look at piles of blood and be like, "Ah, oh, we should probably clean that up." So here's the <laughs> and other they thing. still were able to solve it. Here's the other thing: romance. Don't get me started. We're gonna we talk. Got... We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk Hope about. Hope there's it. no corpse love. Because here's the thing. Okay, so it is 1906, mm-hmm. right? You got these two kiddos, Grace. And Chester, all mm-hmm. right? Chester does not technically come from money. He's got some family that has money, 
-hmm. right? But he doesn't have money. He wants to rise up to that family that does have money. So he's working at his father's factory, and one of the factory workers there is Grace. They meet. You know, she falls in love with him. He wants to bang her, so he does, <laughs> right? Um, he goes back to, you know, wherever the hell he came from. And then she's writing him letters, and she's like, you know, I'm in love with you. I love you so much. You keep writing me these letters about hanging out with all these other girls. Like, what? <laughs> what's the deal? And then she's like, I really, you said you were going to come for me. Because, as it turns out, by the way, she ends up pregnant. So yeah. she's, like, writing him letters, and she's like, I love you. Please come get me. Let's get married, because I'm going to be fucking ruined if you do not marry me. Because 1906, yeah. right? Um, and so he comes for her, right? And she's like, yeah, we're going to get married. It's Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be great. But here's the thing. She's not going to help him get to that level that he wants to be at. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. No. So they go and they stay at this hotel, and this is in... New York, by the way, upstate gonna, New York. And he gonna kill her? Yeah. He gonna kill her. <laughs> he gonna kill her. Um, so they take off on a boating, a boating little thing or whatever, and... Does it have a city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and, and I even looked this up. It's in, um, this is at Big Moose Lake, I think is what it was called. Um, hold on. It's at the, the... The mountains, the one that starts with the A. Appalachian Mountains. No, not those. Mm. Era something or another. Adirondacks. There you That's go. That's what I meant to say, not Appalachian. Yes, those. I know things. Yeah, at the Big <laughs> Moose Lake. Um, oh, forgive me, people. I know my mountain ranges. Anyway, so, <laughs> so they go out on the on the lake, the Big Moose Lake, right? Okay. Um, they don't come back for dinner. They find her body. He's missing, right? They find out later, they find her letters in uh, her room, they start looking for him, they find him, they arrest him, he killed her, yada, 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 okay? Mm -hmm. The letters are, I suppose, out there as, like, a public situation, like, where you can find them and read them, mm -hmm. because this has inspired another book, another novel. Jennifer Donnelly, so her grandmother worked as a waitress at the camp somewhere, and Jennifer Donnelly, um... I guess because her grandmother had told her something about this, went looking for the letters, and she said that the letters haunted her, and she didn't want Grace's um, death to be for nothing. And that is her inspiration for writing this book. And that is a generous thing that I will say. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing, is that this book is a YA novel. I'm just seeing that in your Yeah, it, it is. It's one... An award, a prince, a prince award. It's a an prince honor. award. It's an honor book. It's an honor book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've studied prince awards. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's what it is. So I find that interesting because as someone who's read it, how? I feel um, that way about a lot of books that have won awards, though. Yeah. I'm like, what? What were we thinking? Um. So this book, um, actually does starts off. It's very nonlinear. It starts off as they bring in Grace's body. From the perspective of a girl who works at the hotel. And it is in first person. Okay, I got a timeout. Do you just, I know you hate first person, so like, does that make it worse for you? You know, possibly. Um, 
But I did try to think objectively about it being first person because my thing about first person is is that a lot of the times the writing just isn't as advanced, it mm-hmm. seems, when you write in first person. Um, but I will say I've read I've read the the next book that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Also also first person and it didn't bother me as bad. Um, so I think it is easier to write in first person. Yes, but it because you don't have harder, to worry about tenses. <laughs> but it's harder to read it for some people. It's harder. To, okay, for me, it's yeah. absolutely awful. It is the absolute worst. Normally, I just close things that are in first person. So I powered through this. <laughs> I appreciate. Um, that. I think I did a good job. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, you know, I had somebody ask me. They were like, "Why don't you just?" If you don't like this book, because I was halfway through it, why don't you just stop and read another book? And I said, but we're doing the podcast, because normally I am not afraid to just just close a book or close a fan fiction and walk away. If I don't like it, I don't like it, I shouldn't have to read it. Mm -hmm. Period. I don't care how far I am through that thing. I don't care if I've got one page left. If something (laughs) made me mad, it's, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just not messing with it. It's fine. But, and I was like, if I don't read all of it. And we do this podcast, then I can't tell you everything. And if I don't tell you everything, that just seems awful. And I can't just tell you about books I like on here. That just seems wrong. And I feel like you can't give an actual review of something or, like, a discussion of something if you have not actually, in fact, read it to its continuity. So, I went ahead and read the whole thing. Uh, But you start off with, they brought in Grace's body, and in that first chapter all right and keep in mind once again murder mystery not really sure where the mystery comes in since it's already solved (laughs) uh they could have just said it was about a murder but it's a murder mystery um in that first chapter you learn from uh gosh what is her name what is our main girl's name maddie maddie you learn from maddie that um the guy that Grace was with was using a alias because she tells everyone his name is actually Chester Gillette and not, gosh, what is, I, I don't even remember what name he used, his alias that he used. It doesn't even matter because it wasn't his real name. I don't even care. Real name is Chester. All right. Mm-hmm. So automatically, even if I hadn't looked up the, the, actual... the actual murder beforehand, Already, I'd be like, yeah, two things are happening. Either he killed her, right, or he was running away from somebody who caught up with them and killed her on accident. He's on the run. It's not much of a mystery. No. It's it's not much. No. It's mm. just not. It's not. Um, but it's nonlinear, so you start getting all these backstory about Maddie and her family, and... Okay. So Maddie's the girl that works there. She's not the dead yes. person. She's not the dead person. This whole book is about Maddie. Okay. It is not even really about Grace. It's about Maddie. But Jennifer here didn't want Grace's death to be in vain. So yeah. So we're just gonna ignore her actual death. So the whole For this book other is, character. is about Maddie. Now honestly, what it ends up being is that Maddie or Grace's death helps save Maddie essentially like that's that's what Grace is. that that is the kind of 
tribute we've given to poor Grace. Oh. Um, so, so far, we've nixed the murder mystery part of that situation. <laughs> we're going to nix the romance next, because, I mean, what? first of all, which romance are we talking about? Are we talking about the one where the guy knocks up the girl and kills her? Hmm? Are we talking about the one where Maddie's friend is, you know, recovering from a pregnancy and her husband's mad because she won't have sex with him because she had fucking twins and her freaking vagina hurts? <laughs> um, are we going to talk about the romance between Maddie and the guy next door who only wants to, like, date her for her land? Like, what, what, what romance are we talking about? These are some great contenders. None of these maybe, seem like actual romance. Maybe we mean the romance between the father and the dead mother, right? Because that was beautiful and lovely, and they were so awesome together whenever she was alive. And it was so great, you know? And when she died, he grieved her so badly that he couldn't function as a freaking father and actually do his damn job and raise his fucking kids. Maybe we mean that one. Maybe it was that one. That one seems a little butthurt. So where's the romance? I don't know. I'm not an expert on romance. We, we discussed this. I don't know romance. I know nothing about romance. It is not my area of expertise. It will never be my area of expertise. I don't like it. My, my idea of romance is how many things do I have to throw at my husband's head before the force field goes down and actually hits him? We should have counted. We should have. We should have. He was, was at least 30. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of things. Just a lot of things. But romance, I don't think, is any of those things I listed, personally. No. So, like, romance is out, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um, the only thing I think we're left with is is history. And I will say that is, that's accurate. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is historical fiction. So, yeah, other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except for, isn't it, like, more, it's based on a it, that's what killing was, that happened in 1908? Is the book actually? 1906. 1906, sorry. And the book is in 1906, Okay, okay, yes. okay. So it is historical fiction. Okay. Absolutely 1,000%. I will give her that. That I will admit to. That one seems like a really easy yeah, one to reach, yeah, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But let's, let's, let's talk about this little life that she set up for Maddie, okay? Mm-hmm. Maddie has got, is it, it's three, three sisters, I believe it is, right? Mom's dead, living with dad, brothers run off, right? Dad's uh, usually out doing, like, logging and whatnot. But since mom died, he's got to be at home on the farm working the farm because bro took off, mm-hmm. right? Maddie's in school wanting to take her tests and go to college and become a writer, right? Yeah. And she's so smart and she reads really big books, okay? So many big books. And I can tell you she can because this woman name drops every classical novel on the goddamn planet. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> every I get that this is set in 1906. Yeah. And that these were the kind of books that they were going to read. But the amount of times that she mentions the name of a book specifically is ridiculous. We didn't need to know. It will be okay. Much it was like, not important. Much like in Twilight, where it's just like name dropping a bunch yes. of... Like, Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Claire de Lune. Like... <laughs> Yes, you're so sophisticated and so smart. You know all of these And you're things. not like other girls. Oh, I thought I was Bella. <laughs> <laughs> the really funny I'll thing is, honest. by the way, this was written in 2003. So the not like other girls energy is so through strong. the roof. Through the roof. It's going to so. be a nice, a nice big pause for us to take out <laughs> as we both take a drink. It was important. <laughs> 
So what I find interesting, though, is that you get this backstory of her on the farm, but also trying to go to school and learn from her teacher, Miss Wilcox, who um, she's like, she's so different. You know, she's got like this fast car. She obviously comes from money. Um, she's um, not like the other teachers that we've had. Like at one point she says something about um, she really knew how not to get caught and that was weird for a teacher and I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right, all right, buddy, I can see how many teachers you know. Uh, however, she's just wanting to get away. She wants to go work at the hotel for the summer so she can save the money because she's got a scholarship. She's been accepted to this college. And they're going to pay for everything. She just needs to be able to buy her ticket out there. Right? And she's got a place to stay because she's going to stay with Miss Wilcox's sister. Mm-hmm. Everything's taken care of. It's great. It's grand. It's lovely. But her daddy ain't going to let her go. Papa is not going to let her go. Okay? Because Papa needs her to run the damn place and feed her sisters and get them through everything. Right? Let me tell you. you got to love parentification of your children. Yeah. Um, also, the really interesting part of all of this, and so you get through her journey of her trying to, like, convince her dad to let her go, and she goes and spends Sundays, right, with her aunt from her mama's side, because her mama had, came from money, and she married her papa, who had no money, and so they, like, disowned her, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Typical crap. Anyway, mm-hmm. and the aunt, um, she tries to convince her to give her the money, and then she just gets bitched out. But she goes and she sees this aunt every so often and, like, cleans her house for her or whatever. Um, And then she's raising her younger siblings and the dad and all of that's going on. And she's got this friend, Weaver, who is a black person. So, trigger warning, if you want to read this book, there are three instances of the N-word in it. Um, And at first I did feel like it was just for an excuse for her to say it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but the more you get near the end of the book, you can see that Weaver's kind of used as a parallel, um, as a black man struggling to get into college because he wants to become, I believe it's a lawyer and defend, um, black men and kind of, um, and black women, of course, and from the injustices that they're facing and her struggle as a woman trying to get into college. And you can kind of see that parallel near the end. And the N-word mainly, I think, works as a way to show, I guess, technically, because every time it comes up, he kind of loses his temper. And because of that, he gets himself in trouble a lot, which, don't get me wrong, he should absolutely lose his temper over Mm. the situation. Um, But it shows what he puts in jeopardy by doing that, because he gets... Um, into a fight with some men because of something that they popped off and said and um, they beat him up and then the cops end up going after him because he just happens to be somebody that everybody knows around there and those boys get in trouble for beating him up, those white boys Um, and then they go back and they burn down his mama's house and then he can't go to college because he needs to take care of his mom because she has no house Mm -hmm. she has nowhere to live 
Um, but that happens closer towards the end of the book, and that's when you're like, okay, well, maybe maybe there's kind of a point to this. Still makes me uncomfy. Yeah. Don't really like it. No. Not really great. Not really great. But maybe there's a point. Yeah. And it is set in 1906, but I, mm, still not great. Not really a fan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whatever. I didn't write it. <laughs> Probably would have been a little better. Well, I don't know about that. I can't write. But, however... Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> However, okay, here's the thing that I noticed is that she's going through all of this, right? And then she's seeing her friend, her other friend, who is married. She has twins, right? And uh, seeing the aftermath of her having had these twin babies where she's, like, breastfeeding and her husband's mad because they can't have sex because she won't have sex. But she's freaking tired. Her house is a freaking wreck. Every time she pulls one of those babies off of her boob she's like bleeding out of her boob Mm -hmm. um and her husband's mad because he wants to like dude chill the fuck out go away go away go away okay um and then you've got the love interest royal loomis right royal loomis lives next door at the farm next door okay Mm -hmm. he's a very strapping young man very handsome and should be dating a much prettier girl because of course our protagonist is plain it's because she reads books it's because she reads books right she's smart therefore she could not possibly be be pretty that's right (laughs) and she just doesn't understand why royal loomis would be interested in her but he sure is interesting it's funny that you're giving it a southern accent, but it takes place it's in upstate New York. I don't know why. Just make all your uh, your consonants really hard. but Or uh, slightly Canadian. But it's just this <laughs> whole... Oh, hey there, you know. <laughs> oh, God. It's him kind of, like, courting her and being like, hey, what do you even want to read books for? Like, why do you want to read about other people's lives? You've got a life. Just live your life, you know? And her, like battling between this should i stay at home marry royal right and um you know help he'll end up helping dad out on the farm we'll have this great life we'll have babies or do i want to go off to college and be a writer but at the same time also i promised mom i wouldn't leave them she made me promise she made me swear and i'm like okay mom (laughs) Whatever. This woman was dying was like, hey, I'm going to need you specifically to now be the mother of all these children. Like That I birthed. What the? What's wrong with you people? What is wrong with you people? So that is the whole thing. And then you're going back and forth between then and when they found Grace. the Grace's body and her trying to figure out, oh no, it definitely couldn't have been this guy because he definitely loved her and she's reading the letters because... Grace handed her the letters and asked her to burn them. And she's reading them as she's trying to struggle with, because she's actually working at the uh, hotel, finally, because her dad needed her to pay for a donkey or something that he bought from somebody else for his farm. And she's engaged to Royal, and she's just, oh, so happy, and blah, 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 blah. She's trying to shove the fact that staying at home with her dad and being married to royal who 
doesn't read books and doesn't understand that she likes to read books and wants her to just be a housewife is definitely her dream come true. Just trying to convince herself that she's happy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so she's just like, she, the really funny thing is, is that like 200, I think, pages into this freaking book, she's like, and it's after they brought in Grace's body and she's reading the thing and she's like, he's just out there somewhere, that poor man, he probably drowned. I'm sure there was definitely a reasonable answer for him to give, like an alias. She's like, I did really wonder why he took all of his luggage and his tennis racket when they went out on the boat. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Why'd you take your whole life savings with you when you left your house? Could it be? Because you're not coming back. I'm like, are you kidding me? He took all of that out onto the boat. It sounds He's very gone. upstate New York. I can <laughs> say had, that. <laughs> and he had an alias. Gee, and I'm, you don't think? Gee, I you don't think, maybe, that he killed that girl? That girl that you're now like, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, this poor girl, I, I feel so bad for her, blah, 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 blah. But, like, you don't think that man killed her? You don't, you don't think? I mean, she eventually gets there, <laughs> reading the damn letters. But as long as it takes her to get there. You can tell they me. didn't write a lot. <laughs> A lot of true crime style stories back then. I did not. I was like, Jesus, girl. You didn't get did that she name her? drop Jane Austen? Because yes. it, there are a lot of smart women in those books. Uh-huh, she name dropped Jane Austen. Fucking Lizzie would have been do you, like... Do you want to know what else she it was name him. dropped? And this is, this is what I find interesting. So we've name dropped The Count of Monte Cristo, which, okay. by the way, is a book about revenge. Yeah. I love that book. But... <laughs> Why? Why am I not surprised? Well, I mean, it's me. Revenge. <laughs> Hello. Come on. Uh, it's Scorpio. Anyway. <laughs> That's a good show, by the way. Um, We've name-dropped that. We name-dropped Jane Austen. We name-drop Little Women. Not necessarily Little Women, but the writer of Little Women. Okay. Uh, where we say something about how our writing, as somebody complimented her and said her writing was almost as good as Louisa May Alcott's wrote Little Women. And I find this very interesting. Because basically Jennifer Donnelly was like, you know what? Let's take Joe from Little Women and make her my own and call her Maddie. Because that's what I feel happened. Except for that she didn't do it as well. Hmm. She tried to do that because that's Joe from Little Women. She wanted to be a writer. She you know, didn't want to get married. Um, all of that was going on. But there was something about Joe that was entirely authentic that I think Jennifer Donnelly missed in yeah. her characterization of Maddie. It ends up just being so fake almost to the point where I'm like, I don't, I don't like this girl. I don't like her. She's our main character. I'm supposed to be rooting for her. And even in some of the reviews that I looked at, they're like, oh yeah, you fall in love with Maddie. You root for her. And I'm like, when? Because I don't care what happens to her. I don't care what happens to her. I don't care what happens to her daddy. I don't care what happens to Royal frickin' Loomis. I don't even care what happens to Miss Wilcox, who, as it turns out, by the way, is actually a married woman whose husband, right, found out that she's been writing these poetry, where she writes poetry about women being free and comes to her house, right, where she has, like, left him and is threatening to send her to the insane asylum. That's very yellow wallpapery. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're stealing yet another one. We're just out here stealing that. Because also, also sometimes I'm like, 
Were you trying to go for Elizabeth Bennet there? Because <laughs> it's not really coming away around away the. It's not coming, coming off, off very lazy Bennett. You want it like. It's not working for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it just seems like you've taken like these pieces of different women and kind of chopped them up. It also feels this. like it has a little bit of taming of the shrew. Yeah, a little bit. In the whole, like, I'm going to just be happy with the situation that I'm yes. in. When I'm, like, like, she starts out with, like, I want to be this. I want to do this. I want to be independent. Exactly. I want to go off. And then it's like, nope. You're not going to do any of that because your dad says no. And then she's like, I'm going to be married and happy. And it's kind of like the whole kissing of the feet or wash. I don't fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of Taming of the Shrew. Yes. When she kisses his boot. Yeah. Yeah. That was the uh, very first play we read in the Shakespeare class and the very last play I actually read. (laughs) Because I was like, I've had enough. (laughs) That's that's fair. It's it's a hard one to start off with. I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, However... It is It is very much that. But, and the interesting thing is, I think she spends more time on the quote-unquote mystery of why Royal Loomis is even interested in her than she does on the death of Grace. And what I don't understand is how a girl who reads so many damn books and is supposedly so damn smart missed all the signs. Because the whole time all he talks about is wanting to own land he keeps looking off into a place that belongs to Emmy Hubbard, who never pays her taxes, and all of a sudden they've got an interested buyer in her land. Right? Right? And who, by the way, is screwing Royal Loomis's dad on the side. Okay? And also partially part of Royal Loomis's land, but also partially part of Maddie's dad's land. He keeps looking over there and kind of gazing at it and talking about all these plans he's got and all these things he's going to do whenever he has his own land, quote, unquote, okay? And it takes her till pretty close to the end of the book when he's talking about specifically this area and this stuff that he would do for it. And she's like, you know, I really think that Amy Hubbard would have something to say about that because that's her part of her land. And my dad would too because that's also part of our land. What? And he was like, well, you know, man can plan. He can dream kind of thing. And then she, like, had a party, okay, at the freaking hotel is when she asks him, she's like, um, because the girl that he was seeing before her, who is, in fact, gorgeous and beautiful, supposedly, you know, the mm-hmm. popular girl, quote, unquote, as it were, um, comes up to her and is, of course, nasty because that's the way the popular girls are, where they're always nasty. Always. Mm-hmm. Those pretty popular girls. Can't that's, be a single nice one. That's that's right. We're, we're mean girls in it up in here. All right? Obviously. And we always wear pink on Wednesdays. We always do. Regina George walks up to her. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, and then gets hit by a bus. <laughs> Regina George walks up to, you know, um, this, this Joe wannabe. And is like, you know, the only reason that he's, like, even interested in you is because he wants your family's land. Because guess what? You're not pretty, and you don't have a dowry, and nobody would want you otherwise, and everybody knows that you're just a little bookworm, basically, essentially what she says. I'm obviously paraphrasing, because I don't remember exactly what she said. I'm not going to lie to you. Anyway, (laughs) girlfriend goes back to Royal Lewis, and is like, um, so is any of that true? And I'm like, bitch! What do you mean is it true? She may be a bitch, but she ain't lying. <laughs> but I, I feel like I should have said this at some point a little earlier, but like, <clears throat> where were you? Red flag. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! 
Okay, I'm I'm gonna just apologize now for this podcast because I'm telling you the last one I complained about the love interest. This one I'm complaining about the love interest. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. Next one, I'm gonna complain about the love interest. <laughs> and y'all are all going to be thinking, Wow, does she even like men? And I'm gonna go ahead and say Not really No. You can take them or leave them. Yeah, I mean mostly leave them. To be fair, I will, I'll go ahead and spoil and say that next time there will be, like, one man that I'm absolutely going to gush about, like, a teenage girl. So, I mean, <laughs> like, it, yeah, it, that, that'll be few and far between. But, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize now. Because, honestly, most of these men are trash. <laughs> I mean, and I love a good man written by a woman vibes. Okay. But I, this is not it. So, while I was reading mine, I was, like, I forgot it was a Sandra Brown book because it was so bad. And, like, I didn't remember it to be her writing to be that bad and I was like and the way that she wrote Remy I was like is this a, did a man write this book you know those like do we think she was like ghost ghostwriter on that one you, you never know you, when you read the other ones we have to figure it out yeah we have well, to decide uh like you know those tiktoks where it's like people reading out like sex scenes written by men and it's just terrible oh God, i love those they're hilarious they're hilarious they're you're so like, bad you're like why what? why do you think the woman the, like a woman's body works that way <laughs> it's like how how did you get that far in life without knowing female anatomy yeah and so yeah that's yeah not to that extent because it's not smut no and there's not really like yes there is some sex but it's like one or two scenes mm-hmm. and it's just it's pretty mild but i was still like this just doesn't this doesn't feel like a woman wrote it <laughs> just saying um okay so but eventually right uh at the end she decides screw royalness right grace brown was pregnant she obviously probably got killed by this man and by the way you technically don't see like the police actually get to arrest this guy in the book you've just got her knowing that that's what happened okay okay and she goes to weaver and she's just like peace out i'm leaving i'm going to college like i'm getting on well not even college because i think she already told him she wasn't coming She's just leaving. She's leaving. She's going off to the city. She's going to go stay with Miss Wilcox's sister. She is pursuing her dreams of being a writer. Which ties in with this quote right here that I wrote down. Okay. (laughs) It says, this is from Jennifer Donnelly. I wanted Grace's death to have meaning. And I wanted her death to allow someone else to escape her confining circumstances and live her life, even though Grace herself didn't get that chance. And it sounds nice. It sounds lovely, but the whole time I'm like, are you for real? This is, this is what we came up with for that? It's only vaguely about Grace also. It's like literally the only thing about Grace is the damn, and I understand that the letters, like literally she said the letters haunted her. Mm -hmm. That's what started this. I get that. I do. Okay. But I... I don't feel like I really got to know Grace. And so, therefore, the letters, to me... Didn't feel important. Exactly. And I know that sounds, like, really messed up. And maybe, I don't know, I'm reading it too old to be affected by that kind of thing. I'm jaded. I mean, at this point, a man killing a woman because he knocked her up and didn't want anybody to find out about it. Like, 
The problems of being a true crime junkie also. Well, and, but also... Like, the world is so awful that I'm like, okay, and... Uh, and I don't know. It, she might have, like, read these when she was younger, and that might have had a profound effect on her. And yeah. I respect that. I do. But at 34, I'm like, um, uh, that's just what men do. <laughs> I mean, not all men, obviously. Right. But, do, like... But, yeah, I also think that it's hard to, for, for the reader in this book, to find a connection to Grace or Grace's letters or really anything that has to do with Grace because it so vaguely touches on her from what it sounds like. It's yeah, I, not really super centered around here. It's a I, whole different it's, character, it's, a whole different it's circumstance. Maddie. It's just all about Maddie and Maddie's struggles between do I stay home and like marry Royal Loomis and like give away. It's very much that song from freaking Disney's Pocahontas with mm-hmm. like the which, which the river bends, river bends just do river I take. Bend, yeah. It's it's that, which... It feels like the book probably would have been a little bit better if it had one less aspect to it. So, like, take out the Grace aspect, which I know is the reason she wrote it. Yeah. I'm not or, saying that you can make it better if it's... I don't know. I just feel like, in general... In general, I think part of it, too, is that I went into this with the idea of murder mystery, romance, like, because that's what the back of the book says. And I don't know, like, maybe if they have been, like, it's a historical fiction of a coming-to-age story. It's a building's roman. With, <laughs> like, um, you know, centered around a real-life uh, murder. I would have been like, okay, and I probably would have went into this, I think, with, like, a little bit of a different mindset. Yeah, different expectations. Right, and I think that might have helped a little bit. I feel like false advertisement. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, are you kidding? I could sue. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue for the false advertisement. Oh, too soon. Oh, too soon. <laughs> was it too soon? Was I it too soon? literally just got the lawsuit finished. Was I it? was being sued. I'm just going to throw that out there. For some debt. I'm, I'm fine. Not being sued anymore. Not like a fucking delinquent over here. Um, I'm definitely a delinquent. All the time. <laughs> Every day. All the time. And you know why? Do you know why? Why? Because teachers know how to not get caught when they're doing things they're not supposed to. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I really thought that was funny. She's just like, she was like, that's an unusual trait for a teacher. And I was like, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. I know nothing about teachers, obviously. So, are you, are you, have mm. you, we good? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm, okay. I, I just I, don't want to cut you off if you're not I can't, done. I can't do anymore. Last time I talked way too much anyway. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, so the books that we read, once again, were Fat Tuesday by Sandra Brown and A Northern Light by Jennifer Donnelly. Yep, Donnelly. Um, both are not really recommended. I I would say mine's not really worth the read. There are other books out there that are in the same genre that are written better. Um, they don't even have to be newer, but they're just... The characters are more fleshed out. The plot is uh, less twisty and less predictable. I feel like you could definitely find something better. Um, yeah, I'm going to see, like, negative three stars. I literally have negative three <laughs> stars written in here. I, I would not I would not recommend it. Um, it just seems to me like we took a whole bunch of different characters from some classic novels and kind of, like, Frankensteined Maddie into, into existence. And we kind of took an awful lot away from Grace and the murderer, even though it was, like, bundled towards you about Grace and her murder. And it just, it's so disappointing, and it's just upsetting. 
and also the N-word three times from yeah. a white woman. It's just not... Not acceptable, really. I, I just don't feel like... I. I feel like if you're going to read it from the point of a historical fiction, like, don't think of it as coming into anything else, you might not be as disappointed. I think if you look at it more as it is a YA novel. So if you do look at it, look at it as more of a YA novel or as a coming of age story, then mm -hmm. absolutely you're going to come at it and it's going to be a little bit better for you. Yeah. But definitely do not come into this book looking for a mystery. There isn't one. Don't look. come in looking for romance because romance is trash. And I'm not even an expert. And I know it's trash. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I understand that they do use this, apparently, um, in school. Uh, apparently some high schools have teenagers read it. And I don't know that that is something that I would recommend. Um, I know I would not... Does I would it, not do it. Does it have discussion questions in the back? There are. This next the the book we're going to talk about for next uh, the next podcast has discussion questions in it, and I have thoughts on the fact that it has discussion questions in it. So mm, okay. maybe that's something we can discuss. Having discussion questions in book that books that we don't really feel are necessarily going to or should be used in a school setting. Oh, I think this one is going to be used in a school setting. Well, you said it, it is already, but it, and I don't know that I would say that it shouldn't be. Because it's not that it's inappropriate. Nothing no. in it besides the N-word is necessarily inappropriate. And I, it's very easy to read. It's very accessible um, for teenagers. But I feel like, and especially if, depending on what kind of um, demographic your school has got, some of these kids are not going to be able to relate. Some of them are. I mean, obviously, choosing between staying at home and helping take care of your younger siblings and helping pay the bills um, or following your dreams and kind of um, doing your own thing is obviously definitely something that some people that kids can relate are facing. to. 1,000%, yeah. absolutely. So I think it'll depend on, like, the demographic of students yeah. um, that can relate to that in particular. And so... I think that's their choice. I don't think that I would do it, um, even though I can, I can see how some of those. But I, I feel like this is not something that I would want to have to, to teach. teach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have some. I have some. I, you will understand why I have thoughts about discussion in this next book that we're going to talk about uh, for the next episode of the podcast. But, um, so yeah, uh, I. I think we've given pretty thorough <laughs> explanations of these books. I feel like neither of them are really hitting either of our happy spots, but you know, they definitely did not did not make me happy. It no. did not. It did not spark joy. No, there was no joy sparking. To I, be it had. literally felt like grinding my teeth the whole time reading mine. So yeah, I literally just pushed through it. Yeah. So uh, you know, take our words with you know. Whatever salt. salt you want to take them with. and Green or green the whole thing, or, you know. If you feel like they're still kind of a book that you would like to uh, ingest or digest or whatever the fuck you do with books. Um, Inhale. <laughs> go ahead. I do like to sniff books. Go ahead and, and take, take them on a ride for yourself and see if you can get something out of them that we didn't. If you can, you know, let us know. Uh I'll figure out a way for you to let us know. <laughs> How are they doing that? I think there they're are just comments gonna, somewhere. Just, oh, yeah. Do, do you I'm do gonna, that on podcasts? 
I have no idea. I'm just here. I don't know. I'm going to get us a, an email <laughs> address. <laughs> Most of the people listening to these podcasts right now are our friends, so I'm pretty sure they know how to get in touch with us. <laughs> I need a text message later. I can't believe you hated that book. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Jesus. <laughs> she doesn't like that Sandra Brown. Oh, my God. No, Sandra Brown is fucking terrible right now. I cannot believe that you two think that you can even, like, talk about it. Cannot oh. believe. Cannot believe. How dare we think how we might we? potentially be experts a little bit in literature. I am definitely not If you could count Fat Tuesday as literature, which I really, like, the definition of literature, I don't necessarily feel like Fat Tuesday falls underneath it, but... I will give A Northern Life the fact that, yes, it definitely does fall under young adult literature. Yeah. 1,000%. I will will go with that. I didn't like it, but I will say it it actually, yeah. It's a book. Mine is, is like, it's a book, but is it literature to me? I would say literature is, like, an excellent piece of work. That's how I define it. I was going to say, honestly, I just think yours was torture porn. It was, it was just... It was just torture porn. It was just not good. She created Remy just to torture her. Yeah. It was torture porn. Just destroy her life. It was just torture porn. That's all it was. Oh, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, Yeah. We'll see you in the next episode. Sounds fun. Bye. Bye.